Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Hi, I'm Ron Hammonds, pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, and I am so glad that you're joining with us here. You know, I have a fresh word from God just for you. Every word of God is designed to change our lives forever. And I love the fact that God not only strengthens us spiritually, but also gives us practical steps to take. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 37 that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I love the fact that I can go to God's Word and increase my faith, but I can also go to God's Word and find some practical steps I can take in life in order to build the life that He's pleased with and also a life that serves myself and my community. Tonight we're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews. We'll go to another place or two, but if you've got your Bibles, get ready. We're going to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Before you get to Hebrews chapter 12, you read chapter 11, of course, and that is the faith chapter, okay? It is the hall of fame for all of the faith people, you know, and our patriarchs. The Bible tells us about this one and that one and Rahab and, and, and Abraham and Isaac and Noah, all these men and women by faith. They trusted God, but they also did something. You know, just like Noah, he heard from God that it was going to rain. He trusted God. He believed God. But if he had not have built a boat, if he hadn't done something with what he believed, he would have drowned. Well, tonight we're going to hear the Word. It's going to build us up spiritually, but it's also again going to give us some practical steps to take because God cares about our everyday life. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us of men and women who quenched the violence of the fire, who took faith, and, and you know, they, they were valiant in battle. Uh, you know, the women saw their dead raised to life again. Time would fail me, the writer of Hebrews says, to tell you of all those who by faith received you know, something different than what they would have gotten had they not acted in faith. Faith pleases God. That's what the Word says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So tonight, we'll increase our faith and we'll also learn some practical steps to take. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 begins by saying, Seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all those people, those giants of faith, as it were, in Hebrews chapter 11. Seeing that we are surrounded about, encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Hold on a second. Weights? Yeah. Those things that hold us down, push us down, that, you know, you know, I mean, you may be feeling some extra weight right now in your life, you know, and we are encouraged to look to these men and women of faith and use them as an example so that we have also the strength and the wisdom to lay aside those weights. And it continues in, in Hebrews 12 verse 1, and the sin which does so easily ensnare us. The sin that traps us, those errors in life, those departures from faith and departures from God's will in our life that often are by choice that, you know, end up taking us on a wrong road and ensnare us and trap us, you know. 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us and let us run with patience. This concept of patience is a consistency, a persistency. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Unfortunately, in this life, we don't always get to choose the race that we're running. In fact, many of you, perhaps even tonight in your homes or you know, are listening to this maybe in your car or wherever you may be, you didn't perhaps get to choose the race you're running today. You know, our nation and indeed the world is encountering in this moment some difficult you know, hurdles in life. The race that they're running is a little harder economically. Perhaps, you know, the, the separation helping to contain this uh, COVID-19 virus that is presently you know, surrounding the earth. Maybe this race is a little more difficult, but we are encouraged to lay aside every weight and the sin that does ensnare us, you know, and run with patience, run with endurance, run with, run with you know, consistent and persistent, run with endurance, the race that is set before us. How can we do that? Well, verse 2 says, looking to Jesus. The way that we run our race with patience is we look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> we can look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did Jesus run his race? Well, he was facing a cross. He was facing, you know, being beaten. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and it's by his stripes we were healed. How did he do that? He didn't have to. How did he endure that? Well, because he had a joy set before him. He had something set before him. He was looking at something that we weren't looking at. He was looking on the other side of the cross. He, was, he saw something we didn't see, and it gave him courage and encouragement. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, It's not that he wanted to, but he understood that what he saw was more powerful than what he was experiencing. He continues in verse 3, For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why should we consider Jesus? Because the Bible says, if we don't, if we don't hold on to this faith and, and look around us and, and see all the wonderful things God has already done in the lives of men and women from Noah to Rahab to Esther, if, if, if we don't recognize this great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, then we might not be motivated to endure the difficult moments of life and maintain our joy. For consider Jesus who endured such contradiction against you know, himself by sinners, lest we be weary and faint in our minds. God does not want us to grow weary and faint when we're under pressure. In difficult moments, in races that perhaps we didn't choose, nonetheless, God wants us to be strong in spirit. He wants us to be able to rise up and, and, and accept a challenge and for the joy that is set before us, for something that we see that is greater than what we're experiencing. You know, it's called a vision. The Bible says without a vision, you know, men perish. 
when we don't have a greater destination than where we are, when we, when we don't see where we're going, we won't know which way to go. And right now, we should be looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, without a vision, without something setting before you, you can perish. It's so important to realize that what we think, what we believe, what we see, is going to affect our lives. It'll affect our joy. It'll affect our home, our children. It'll affect our neighbors, our friends. It'll affect how we come out of this moment. It will affect how you go through and how you thrive. Not just survive, but how you thrive in the midst of difficult moments. Proverbs chapter 23 tells us, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's important what we think. You know, this reminds me of a story in the book of Genesis. If you would, I want to encourage you to go to the book of Genesis chapter 30, you know, at, uh, at, at some future moment, perhaps this week, and read this account. It's the account of a 92-year-old man. <laughs> you know him. His name is Jacob, 92 years old. He is living in a foreign country, and he's working for a man, and he's worked for him for 14 years so far. And he has not received a paycheck, although he has been rewarded. He has worked for him for 14 years to marry two of Laban's daughters. And at the end of that 14 years, these two women, his two wives, the dowry is paid, and so he's free to go. He has children, but he doesn't have any wealth. He has no animals. He has no money. He has no, you know, no servants. Anything. So what is he going to do? Well, Laban comes to him. And says, Jacob, would you keep working for me? And Jacob says, well, I really need to go home because, you know, I've, I've, I've worked for you now and I really need to start working for myself a little bit. And Laban says, well, just tell me, what can I do? Tell me what you want for your paycheck. And, and Jacob says, well, I tell you what, you don't have to give me anything. I will keep working for you if you'll just do one thing. And Laban, of course, you know, uh, Laban was a, a little bit of a cheater anyway. And he said, well, you know, well, what is it? You know, it pricked his ears. What do you mean you'll work for me for nothing? You know, what is it? And so Jacob said, just do this one thing. You see, Jacob had heard from God. Jacob had had a vision. He'd had a dream. He, he had received a word from God. He believed it, but then he needed to do something about it. You see, it's more than just believing, just like Noah, as we said before. It's more than just believing, just like Abraham. It's more than just believing, just like Rahab, more than just believing, just like Gideon, more than just believing. It's just like you and me. It's more than just believing it's going to be okay, which we should. But there's also some things we can do. So Jacob said to Laban, because of the dream that Jacob had had, he said, Laban, father-in-law, I will keep working for you. If you will just do this one thing, Laban said what? Jacob said, I want you to take all of the brown and speckled and spotted and streaked, any of the multicolored sheep, any colored and multicolored sheep, and I want you to take them three days' journey away from me and leave me with only the pure white fleeced sheep. And this is what I'll do. I'll keep working for you. For only those brown and spotted and speckled and multicolored sheep that these white, pure white fleeced sheep produce in the future. 
Well, Laban thought, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, who can turn down that deal? My goodness, you mean that you're going to take the pure white fleece sheep and you're going to separate all the multicolored and all the colored sheep in three days' journey and then you're going to work for me for only those colored and multicolored sheep that these pure white fleece sheep produce? And Jacob said, yes. You see, Jacob had heard from God, and it required an act of faith. It required Jacob to do something before he saw something. I mean, he had seen it in the spirit. He'd seen it in his dream. He had a word from God, but yet, you know, it, 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 it wasn't his reality in the natural yet. He had to take some natural, practical steps. Laban agreed. He removed all of those spotted, speckled, and streaked sheep. Three days' journey. Well, this is what Jacob did by faith. You know, faith requires we do something. The Bible says in Genesis 30 that Jacob went to that area and he found some poplar trees and some hazelnut trees and some of the different native trees to the Middle East there in, in that part of Syria. And he, he bored holes in them and he peeled the bark off of some of them and, you know, he scraped some of them. He let them dry. And, of course, they dry when you know when you do that. They dry kind of spotted and speckled and streaked and brown. And then he made a fence out of them, you know. He just tied them together and made a fence so that the fence looked spotted, speckled, and streaked. And then Jacob set that fence right in front of the watering troughs in the breeding pen so that Jacob, when it came breeding time for these strong females, he would take the strongest males and the best females and bring them into the breeding pen. And right there where they were drinking water, what they looked at all day long was spotted, speckled, and brown, and streaked. And, you know, I mean, he was creating a vision on the inside of them. He was creating, uh, giving them something to think about, something to dwell on. Uh, you know, not what, you know, they, they would have naturally seen, but he was creating a supernatural impression on their, 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 their subconsciousness. I don't know if they had spirits or not, but this is, the, this is the parallel truth. This is what God is teaching from Genesis 30, is that when he made this fence and set it in front of the sheep, the sheep looked at it all day long. And what they looked at when they bred, they produced sheep that were spotted, speckled, brown, streaked, multi-colored sheep. And in the process of the next six years, Jacob ended up with all the sheep. God multiplied them. He ended up a very, very wealthy man. Why? Because he set something before the sheep. And the sheep, when they got that in their minds, when they got that in their hearts, when they got that vision, it began to produce something different in them and through them. That's what it says about Jesus. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He saw something. He saw something in his future that was greater than his current reality. We can do the same. It is very important that we make sure that we set something in front of our eyes that we want. Not just what we have and not the circumstances and situations that surround us. 
It's important that we set something not only in front of our eyes, but in front of the eyes of our children, in front of the eyes of our, of our neighbors and our friends, our community and those that we communicate with. It's so important that we take this time not only to have faith in God and not only to trust Jesus, but to also do something by setting something in front of others, something that we want, a vision. Let me tell you for sure, things are going to be okay. They are. Things are going to get better. But what we do in this time can help us and can help determine how we come out of this thing in the future. Let me give you some practical steps that you can take. You know, Psalms 101 verse 2 says this, I want to walk perfect before God. You know? And the psalmist went on to say, I will walk perfect before God in my house. While you're walking around in your house, it's important that you keep you know, in the forefront of your mind that you want to be walking in your house pleasing to God. Don't just be stuck in your house, quarantined or you know, uh, socially distanced or you know, uh, helping uh, the, the containment of this uh, virus. But, but be in your house. Be at your house on purpose. Okay, on purpose. Okay, and there are some things that you can do. Just like the psalmist said, I am not going to hang around with evil people. Psalms 101, you can read it. I'm not going to hang around with evil and wicked people. I'm not going to be listening to them. I'm not, you know, what you put in front of you, what you put on your TV, what you put on your radio, you know, the conversations you have can set the tone of your home and can set the tone of your family, your children, and those that listen to you. So make sure you're setting something in front of you. That creates joy for the joy that was set before him. Okay? And also, walk perfect before God in your house so that when he visits you, as Psalms 101 verse 2 says, he will find you walking, pleasing to him in your house. What can you do? Well, perhaps you could take this time to invest in your children. Maybe spend a little time with them. You know, they may have some homework that you could help with. And they may need some, you know, um, they may, just may need some practical instruction. You could teach them how to be, you know, the next generation's father and mother. How to be the next generation's leaders. You know, how to, how to uh, you know, be what you really hope. To. Set before them. Set before yourself a vision of your children grown and, and parents to your grandchildren. You know, and, and start working on that vision. You could go outside. You know, you could stay inside paint your house, okay? I mean, you could go outside. You could, uh, you know, uh, have a picnic in your yard. You, you know, there are a number of things you can do. Don't just sit idle and don't feel as though that you are unfairly sequestered in your home. Don't feel as though that, that this is an unfair burden. Let's lay aside every weight, every pressure, every worry, every fear, every frustration, every, you know, every aggravation. Let us lay aside those weights and the sin. This is not a time for you to be on the internet looking at pornography. It's not the time for you just to be listening to things or putting evil in front of your eyes or, or continuing to stoke the fire of dissatisfaction or discontent. We want to come out of this better, not bitter, okay? And I know it's difficult, and I know there are some economic pressures on you, not only here in the United States, but around the world. Those of you that are watching, I understand it's a difficult moment, but take this moment and turn it into something. You know, turn it into something good and beneficial. Okay? There are things that you can do that will make a great difference. There are things that you can do today. Listen to me. For the joy that was set before him, let me ask you, are you contributing to the joy in your home? You know it may not be your first nature. 
to be you know, encouraging or the life of the party or hopeful or funny. But there are some things that are necessary in our homes across the United States and around the world. If our children and our children's children, if our neighbors are going to see joy or peace, if they're going to feel love, if they're going to encounter someone who's patient and someone who's trusting God, you may be the only Bible that they get a chance to read today. Let's make up our minds that we're going to walk perfect before God, pleasing to God in our homes, that we're not going to let these things get us down. We're going to lay aside those weights. Why? Because we have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're not going to let these things ensnare us, entrap us. We're not, we're not going to let joy and peace and love and patience and goodness and faithfulness and kindness and self-control. We're not going to be anger and bitter and, and discontent and frustrated and aggravated. We're not going to take these things and make things worse. We're going to take these things and make things better. Why? Because we're people of faith. Okay? So decide right now. Well, first, you may need to repent. Just repent. If you've been just angry and irritated and frustrated, if you've just been that old dried up piece of bacon, if you've just been that person that nobody wants to be around, aggravated, irritated, if you have not been able to control what you say, listen, I want you to repent. Repent in the name of Jesus. Okay? And when Jesus comes to your house, let him find you walking, pleasing to him. How? Because you have set something different. You have some goals, okay? Some good, godly goals. And if you don't know what those goals are, then let me encourage you read your Bible. The Bible is filled with things we can do to please God. In our homes, with our spouses, with our, you know, just make some phone calls during the day. Make encouraging phone calls during the day. Get something that you're going to say to someone, something positive, something godly, something encouraging, something from the word that you're going to say to everyone you talk to today, and then on purpose make those phone calls, you know. You know, uh, you know let's get together as families, you know, play some board games, okay? It may not be your forte, do it anyway, okay? Take some practical steps to continue being the house that God is pleased with.